worthy of praise this morning to shout out amen. And I want to encourage you this morning to be engaged in the message, amen, that uh, the Holy Spirit of God would speak to you. And I want to go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church. And uh, Terry's already there. You'll see Miss Jeannie in the lobby. We do believe it's a big deal to be in church, do we not? Give them a good hand for being in church this morning. Amen. Amen. Proverbs chapter 24. This morning is the second part of a two-part message. If you were here last Sunday or for our guests that maybe were not, um, the title of the message last week was Dealing with the Difficult, How to Deal with a Difficult Person. And we never got there. So this is part two, and uh, today I hope to give you something to take home, um, something in your spiritual tackle box, uh, something that you can use when you need it, because I can assure you there are going to be times when there are difficult people in your life. Now, this morning, I don't preach this message as some expert that doesn't struggle with this from time to time. Or maybe at time to time, I'm the guy. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that Solomon gives us a good word. Because life is filled with communication and relationships. And from some, some time to time, those things can get sour. And, and something can be said that, that you didn't mean to say. Or something can be heard that, that didn't mean to hurt you. But yet, through it all, pain was involved. I praise the Lord this morning for Solomon because God gives us this book in the Old Testament that's very easy to read, and at the same time, it's filled with wisdom. And I, I think if you listen today, you're going to find yourself somewhere in this sermon, okay? You're going to find yourself somewhere in this sermon. Life is hard. Life is difficult. I mean, I mean, I'm looking over our congregation, and, and we've had a number of praises and praying for a lot of people. Um, continue to pray for the Barnes' son-in-law, Spencer, uh, just going through a, a trial, and their daughter. And, and I mean, life is full of pain. But the good news is there is a Savior, amen? And the good news is there is a cross that makes all the difference. And before we dive into Proverbs 24, let me just remind you what that means. Let me remind you what the power of the cross means. Let's say my Bible is everything I've ever said, ever done, ever thought. So the book I have in my hand, let's just say, is Greg's book. Everything I've ever said, ever done, ever thought. Now, you want me to just be transparent? If you knew everything I'd ever said, ever done, ever thought, you would not let me be your pastor. But there is a God who knows me better than you do. And here's what the power of the cross means. I can assure you that based on my book, there is no way I would get to heaven. But Jesus paid for it. And he, and he placed my sin upon his back on the cross of Calvary, and he paid for it. That's what Easter's all about. And at the end of the service, in a few minutes, I'll, I'll give an invitation. If you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, or if you're here and you're unsure, 
whether or not you're a Christian, I would run today because there is a loving Savior ready to forgive you. And you can leave here a new man, a new woman, by the grace of God, amen? I'm praying for that today in your life if, if you don't know him. Well, Solomon gives us some wisdom about this thing called life because he reminds us that in life there are going to be some difficult people. So look at chapter 24, and I wanna pull your attention to, to several verses, okay? For instance, last week we did not get down to 17. Verse 17, the Bible says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and is displeased, and he turns away his wrath from him. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Solomon is reminding us, don't get bent out of shape. Don't worry about somebody who's doing the wrong thing. There's coming a day when that's all going to be over. And I want to remind you this morning, we believe the Bible says that when a person dies, there's one of two places you're going. Either an eternal heaven or an eternal hell. Some people would say, well, Brother Greg, I believe it, but I'll tell you what, when, when I die, uh, I'll just, I'll make it to heaven somehow. Brothers and sisters, there is no assurance in Scripture that that is ever going to happen. Jesus died for it to pay for it, and he gives us the privilege to live something called life to make the most important decision we've ever made. Some of you are here today and you're thinking the most important decision you ever made was where you're gonna work while you're a teenager in high school or what kind of car you're gonna drive or are you gonna get married and if you get married, who are you gonna get married to? Are you gonna go to college and, or are you gonna go right on to work and, and, and are you gonna buy a house? What neighborhood's it gonna be in? And after a while, do you have kids or not? That kind of thing. And then eventually, listen, you think it gets easier and then we get to the season of life, the fourth quarter, where we wonder how long do we work before we retire? Anybody wanna say amen? Come on. I know you're already worried by looking at the outline of how long this sermon's gonna be. And, and don't feel alone. Don't feel alone. When I gave it to Judy to print, she looked at me and like, really? What's that supposed to mean? From the secretary of our church, really? You know what she was saying? Good luck, Brother Greg, good luck. No, no, God's got a word for us. And that is there are difficult people in our lives from time to time or that we can be difficult. And in 17 and 18, he gives very clear instructions. Do not rejoice when something bad happens to somebody else. Uh, maybe you're here today and, and it goes something like this. You hear from someone that a person you know, something bad has happened to them. Someone in your past, or maybe someone in your present who has given you grief. Someone who makes life difficult for you. Here's what Solomon is telling us this morning. Don't say, I'm glad that happened. They deserve it. Solomon says, do not do that. And this morning we'll recognize uh, of why. God has a plan to use even that person in our life. Uh, let, let's keep going down. Uh, verse 21. 
My son, fear the Lord and the king. Do not associate with those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who can know the ruin those two can bring? These things are also belong to the wise. It's not good to show partiality in judgment. Okay, listen, listen carefully. Have your pen out. Underline these verses. It is not good to show partiality in judgment. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Nations will abhor him. Brothers and sisters, if there was ever a picture of culture, it's right here. It's right here. He who says to the wicked, you're righteous. He who says to the wicked, it's okay. He who thinks that anything goes, after all, we live in a free country, that's a big joke in our family, in, our, in my marriage with Renee. A lot of times Renee will say, you put that on that? Like, like I don't know, like think of a weird food thing you do, okay? Uh, and if any, I'm, I'm telling you, our son-in-law Kyle is the weirdest eater you've ever seen. I, I, can, I can guess what he wants. I know exactly what he'll eat. And it's like, what? You do that with that? And a lot of times, Renee will say something to me like that, and I will make this statement. Last time I checked, it's a free country. Huh? Isn't that a great answer? Isn't that just a marriage-edifying response? The last time I checked, it's a free country. What I was saying is, get your hands off my food. I can eat it however I want to eat it. I have no clue why I started this illustration. I guess it'll come back to me. Somebody walk me back. Anything goes. Thank you for listening. Anything goes. We live in that kind of world where all we want to do is redefine what God's already defined. And then for us to stand on the truth just makes you feel like you're out on an island Folks, I'm telling you, Jesus never said it would be easy. And the Lord Jesus never offended anybody because he was all truth. I mean, if they were offended, it was because of sin in their life. But Jesus was always kind. He was, always, he was perfect. But yet there were those that did not follow him, those that did not love him, them, those that did not rejoice when he instructed them. Why? Because there was always this issue of difficulty. So why in the world should we think that we'll have smooth sailing in our life when the only perfect one to ever live had difficulty with people as well? And I'm telling you this morning that we are reminded that the reason there is difficulty in the world and the reason that you and I don't act like uh, sold-out believers from time to time is because of something called sin. Sin. The Pharisees saw it in everybody else, but they never saw it in themselves. Oftentimes, Jesus had to get on the religious folks because they would walk around and judge everybody else, but they never thought they had an issue. So let me define, I, I, how do you define difficult people? How do you define uh, this issue of dealing with difficult people? One writer said that People, difficult people, can be like tools in your toolbox. Let me give you just four of them. Measuring tape. 
These people always let you know that you don't quite measure up. These perfectionists feel compelled to set the standards for everybody else, but keep in mind, they are the ones that set the rules. And then there's the hammer. Oh, it's not a toolbox without a hammer, is it? The hammer is like a subtle freight train. They push their agenda on others, force their will. Everyone walks on eggshells around the hammer. And you never know when the hammer's gonna come down. They're stubbornly committed to use force in whatever way that works to get their way, the hammer. Uh, you say, well, okay, Brother Greg, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm over two here, I'm okay. Does anybody know what a sawzall is? Shake your head if you do then, okay? A number of you ladies know exactly what that is, right? A sawzall can do anything, and a sawzall is, is the, the one who will say anything that will hurt the most. The sawzall has the great ability to cut quick and deep and leave the other bleeding on the floor. Uh, the sawzall wins verbal arguments every time, not because they're right, but because they know where to cut, and it hurts so bad. And then last one, I think I like the last one the best, the vice grip. People who get a grip and don't know when to let go. Extra needy will squeeze the life right out of you. This person has no clue that when it comes to social and relational boundaries, they bounce from one crisis to another, needing constant support. They don't care about other relationships. Everything has to be focused on them. I believe if you look in that toolbox, there's some difficult people. Well, this morning, let's draw our attention to a lesson that I believe God can help us with. And you might be here and you're a young person and a student in school. Or you may be here and be a senior adult and be old like me. And, and the Lord has a lesson for us to help us to know how to deal with the difficult. Now, if you have your outline, there's a quote at the beginning I want to help us to, to grab quickly. Because oftentimes, we don't want to be around the difficult. But here's what I want you to hear as we begin. Sometimes the person we want God to remove the most. Sometimes the person we most want God to remove from our lives is the very person God wants to use in our lives. What we pray for sometimes is God, just, just get them out of my life when in essence, God may be using them to help you and me become more like him. Now, let's begin this journey, okay? If you're with me, say amen. Here's the first thing I wanna answer, the why. I want us to look at the why. Why does God allow difficult people in your life? Why does God allow difficult people in my life? Why are we sometimes difficult for others. Here's the first thing. The way we treat difficult people reveals the true condition of our heart. I want you to take your Bible, mark it here. I want to go to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 5. 
When I say Matthew chapter five, I want you to think Sermon on the Mount, okay? Matthew chapter five. Jesus is pouring in to his disciples. And when you look at some of his instruction, it's not just on the attitude to have as you minister, it's the attitude to have around others who make your life difficult and who will make your ministry difficult. Matthew chapter five, verse 11. If you have a red print Bible, what print are you looking at? Okay, say it, red. Jesus speaking, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I want to deal with something very quick in verse 11. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you. What's the next word? Falsely. Falsely. Everybody look at me. Listen to me. When you repeat something that does not need to be repeated, it can be true. But what you're doing is you're gossiping. When you repeat something that is not true, that's slander. And Jesus said, listen, they're going to lie about you. When you serve me, there are going to be those who don't tell the truth. And brothers and sisters, listen, if Jesus had to deal with it in his perfection, if he had to remind the disciples to deal with it in their ministry, what would make us think that in our lives that God is somehow going to, it's just going to let up because we're living in 2023, and it's not the way it used to be in 1970. Folks, it's, we're not going back to 1970. We're not, Jesus is coming again. We've gotta be ready for the king to come, and we've gotta be prepared for him to come. But what about, what if he tarries? What, what, if, he, what if he delays, and what if he continues to wait? And, Scripture says he's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. I mean, what are we to do? We're to love God, love people, and serve people. And the Bible doesn't tell us we determine whether they're kind enough to be loved. So Jesus just lays it out there. Jump down in chapter 5. Are we still in Matthew 5? Jump down to 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I'll just interject here. Lord, are you kidding I don't believe Jesus is kidding here because he's reminding us that I've experienced everything you ever will. Look at verse 45. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? 
Okay. It's easy to love people that love you back. Anybody want to say amen? Jesus says that's not a big deal at all. You know why? The lost world does the same thing. And if you, 47, and if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do that? Therefore, you shall be perfect. You shall be complete, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Let's go back to Proverbs. The why. The way we treat difficult people really says more about us than them. You know, we kid about the children, children's church exit. And I laugh some, sometimes when we say, kids, you can go ahead and make your way to the lobby for children's church. They bust out of here. They run. That really says more about me than those kids. It really does. And oftentimes, the way we treat people says more about me than it does the person. Now, I, I preface the message by telling you I'm no expert at this. But I'm telling you, folks, you've got to learn to handle people in your life or you will spend your life mad all the time or bitter. Jerry Vine said, if you're in the ministry, if you pastor for any other reason than Jesus, you're destined to become a bitter old man. We don't want to be bitter old Christians, do we? Man, I want joy. I, I want to live a life with some, with some gusto. I, I, want to, I want to wake up in the morning, listen to me, retired folks, and knowing that God's got a plan for my day. It's not just to survive Yesterday morning, we got up early. We didn't, have a, we didn't go to a ball game. And, uh, and I thought, what are we going to do? And, I, and I, I, I couldn't wait for 6 o'clock to come so I could start watching the ball game. But listen to me. Life is more than that. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Brother Greg, I am. I'm a little discontent with my life. I, I, I thought that after I would work and have a good career that, that, and retire, that this is the way life was going to be. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, I had no clue that I would retire medically early. Or you've gotten to the end of the rainbow thinking that now we can really have fun and the kids are grown and the grandkids are getting big and, and we're on our own. We can do whatever we want to do. And all of a sudden you find your health going south. Folks, let me tell you something. There's more to that, and his name is Jesus Christ. And when you wake up in the morning, listen, if you're in the army of God, whether you're a student, uh, whether you're uh, married and hitting the clock tomorrow or single, maybe you're here today and you're divorced thinking you can never be happy again, I'm telling you, as a senior adult, when you wake up in the morning, as a private in the army of God, you just show up for duty and ask God to lead you today. You're, you're going to do whatever you can to please the master. I'm telling you, that is an awesome journey. Difficult people are also critical people. And I'm telling you, if you want to spend your life being critical, the circle around you will thin out very quickly. You know, you watch these basketball coaches. Some of them act like they can't stand the team they coach. But the best coaches look like the players love them. I don't know if you fo followed Kansas State at all. Who are, they're now out. I believe their coach's last name is Tang. I think that's it. Jerome Tang been an associate coach, assistant, and a bunch of good programs, and here he is. 
they put a microphone in his face from the first win, and he said, well, first of all, I want to thank the one who let us get here. I know he's not a Kansas State fan, but he's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God's called me here for a higher purpose. So they interviewed the athletic director of Kansas State and said, we know he's a man of faith. And he goes, well, we remember the interview well. When he came here, he said, this is who I am, and I, I can't change from that. Can you deal with that as a, as a university? What he was recognizing is there's more to it than winning a ball game. There's more to life. Listen, there's more to life than just surviving. That's what Jesus is reminding us of. So the way you treat difficult people, first of all, reveals your character. Number two, difficult people cause us to grow in ways we'd never grow in our, on our own. They stretch you. They stretch you. Now, there's nothing wrong with asking the Lord in prayer, God, when's this thorn going to become a blessing? When, when is this really going to change? Be reminded of the promise of the psalmist in Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. And if you're going to be able to deal with somebody that's making your life tough, you're going to have to have help from the Lord. You're going to have to have help. I mean, how real is your Bible to you? How real is prayer life? Is your prayer life? Man, I'm telling you, we've got a church that likes to talk about prayer, but very few come to Wednesday night to pray. Some of you need to, some of you are available on Wednesday night. 545, right here. You're able, but it's just not important. I'm asking you to ask God to challenge you in that area. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Wednesday night became a, a dynamic service where we began to look forward to coming? What we do is we say things like this, don't we? Uh, well, it, it, it's just a prayer meeting. We don't need to go. I tell you, the church has said that for many years, and look at the state of the church's prayer life. Oh, we call out on God when things aren't going well. We call out on God when our health changes. We call on God when, when I might lose my job. We call out to the Lord for all kinds of things. But let me tell you something. Without power, there is, or without prayer, there is no power. Without the Holy Spirit, listen, we're just going through the motions. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. Number three, the most distinguishing mark of a Jesus follower is a love for those that they would not or could not love on their own. You know who that is? A difficult person. And Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, I say love your enemies. Now, you don't have to turn there, but if you go back to Matthew 5, 46, he says, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do that? You see, dealing with a difficult person, allowing God to use that in your life means that you can do something you can't on your own. I was a patrol boy in school. Any of you remember that? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Do they still have that? Uh, Matt Spurlock, I bet you were a patrol boy. And we had, we had bus duty, and then there was walkers. 
Is, if anybody knows anything what I'm talking about, raise your hand. Thank you. So, we're, okay, I'm, I'm good. Everybody raise their hands old. Okay, we're there. But, but I was a walker to school my entire elementary career, and, and then uh, I was promoted to bus duty. And I always thought that was so cool because I never got to ride a bus. Well, I didn't have to ride a bus. I just worked at the bus stop. Okay? And, and, prior, and, and if you're really old, now you're thinking the bus stop, wasn't that a disco in Dayton a long time ago? Okay, stop it, stop it. I worked at the bus stop, and one day, uh, the kids, my, my peers were come run, coming into school, and there was a boy named uh, Bobby. And he was flying in, and Barney Fife with a badge, I grabbed him by the arm, and he turned and hit me right in the jaw. Oh, yeah, yeah. Had I been a police chaplain back then, I'd have put him on the ground. I was so stunned. I didn't know what hit me. I wasn't about to chase him down. But I was reminded that that's exactly how we are. We're, we're racing. We're, we're, we're moving. We're, we're not flinching at anything. Uh, we see that uh, the goodness of, of uh of God's purpose for our life sometimes is not easy. We're reminded what Solomon says, the psalmist, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Well, Bobby was never my best friend from that point on. I don't think that's what Jesus is telling us, that difficult people have to be your best friends. I believe what he's saying is you don't have to be in bondage to the way other people act where it changes everything or takes the joy from you in serving the Lord. Look at verse 18. Seventeen says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Verse 18, lest the Lord seize it and it displease him and he turns away his wrath from him. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I believe verse 18 is a reminder that there are times when we will need grace. There are times when we're gonna need uh, grace shown toward us. What are you saying, Brother Greg? I believe Solomon is reminding the believer to stay humble. To stay humble because you're going to need encouragement in your life. Does it mean that the Lord changes his mind by the way I respond? Perhaps the Lord allows things in our lives to get our attention so that we can learn a lesson. And oftentimes in the Christian life, listen to me, God gives the test and then the lesson. What we do in school is we give lessons, right? And then ultimately give a test. I thought I'd be real cute in college in a statistics class. Look at somebody else's notes and 
looked at the test before me, and the test before me was not the one I studied for. You know what God was reminding your preacher a long time ago? You want to be a jerk? I'll let you go right ahead. You want to be something you're not? I'll let you learn a hard lesson. Do the right thing, work hard, and the other things will fall into place. I'll take care of you. That's a good word for every student sitting here. Amen? Listen to me. Nothing easy about high school, junior high, nothing easy about college. Our grandson Aiden went to his first dance last night. Oh, I'm going to have some fun with that. But man, they're growing up. Listen to me. Dating, driving, school. Nothing easy about college. Do the right thing. You see, our response is the one the Lord sees. He knows our heart, and we can displease him with our response to the way we deal with difficult people. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 19, and 20, let's look at that. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked, for there will be no prospect for the evil man. The lamp of the wicked will be put out. Even in all the glory days of a, of a wicked person's life, of a difficult person's life, let me tell you, the light will eventually go out. And, and brothers and sisters, the sad thing is, the Bible says their life will not prosper in the end. I believe the indication there is that they don't know Christ. What do you do, Brother Greg? Death is coming. Pray for those that are difficult to know Jesus. I mean, somebody who continues to make life difficult for you may not even know the Savior. Now, the sad thing is, is when we're the person and we, we claim to be Christians. Oh, man. The light of the world, the Lord Jesus, I believe every time he stepped in a room, uh, there, was a, there was something positive going to happen. So let's not be that person. Okay, here's another thing. Okay, this would be, I'll move quick. Why is bearing with difficult people so hard? Okay, let's jump down to verse 24. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse. Nations will abhor him. But those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. Now, I don't believe Solomon is saying we agree with anything evil. I don't believe Solomon is saying is, is uh, tolerate sin. Oftentimes there are things in my life that need to be addressed. I thank the Lord for Renee. And folks, if you don't, uh, our, our church has been with us a long time, you know Renee. If you're new, Renee doesn't have the gift of mercy. I'm not sure how that sounds, but I'm letting it out there, Okay. I mean, meaning there are sometimes when, when I want affirmation from her about something and she just lays it out there like, like it is. And, and, you know, and I'll stand there, you know, as your pastor and, and I'll say something like, hmm, who would you be referring to? And she is like the prophet, you are the man, David. You're the man. You're the man. I'm not saying we agree with wrong. 
But make sure you understand something. When you bear with somebody who is difficult, you've got to be willing to hang in there and not condone bad for good. Uh, Let me give you some things that will help you with the difficult here. Characteristic of a difficult person, we, we already looked at the toolbox. They talk more than they listen. When I'm difficult, I talk more than I listen. Another one is, don't receive instruction very well. You're not gonna teach me a thing. Why? Number one, I'm not listening. Here's another. Difficult people often hurt others and don't recognize it. And a difficult person is very easily offended. Okay, so why is bearing with difficult people so important? Here we go. Are you ready? Number one, B1, it increases my appreciation of God's love toward me. When I recognize how I can be. You know, I took this personality profile that we do with married couples, and uh, we do it in our spiritual gift class, and I found out that I was sanguine. The animal that they use for a sanguine personality is an otter. That should tell you something, an otter. I looked at all these things, life of the party, fun guy. I thought, man, I must be something. No wonder Renee married me. What I didn't realize was you flip the page, and on the back page, it was the weaknesses of a sanguine. Shallow, seldom serious, I'm not as nearly as wonderful as I thought I was. Folks, listen. Listen to me. Difficult people like me, the sanguine, some, you've just got to be reminded, thank God for the grace he's shown me. Okay? What we do is we want to fix everybody else. Or we want everybody at first Camden to be just like me. Brothers and sisters, if this church were all me, we would be the most boring church around. What about you? Oh, let's just drive it a little close to home this morning. What about you? Would our church be a praying church? Would our church have any offering this morning? Oh. You say, Brother Greg, don't you go there. No, I don't know who gives in our church. That gives me great liberty to let it fly. All I can tell you is that as a believer in Jesus Christ, every cent that you give me as your pastor God has given given us. And if you want to say, and I've heard this before, we pay your salary. If that's the way you want to look at it, I guess Renee and I pay our salary too. Are you with me? I didn't lose you on the money thing there, did I? I'm telling you, you're sitting in the midst of the most generous people I've ever seen in my life. Annie Armstrong next Sunday morning, we want, what are we going to do as a church for the disaster relief? Renee and I are going to pray about giving more than we anticipated to Annie Armstrong. Why? Because some of that's going to disaster relief. Okay? You see, it increases my appreciation for who I am. Here's another one. When you bear with difficult people, it demonstrates God's love toward them. You, you see value in that person. 
uh, when you look down in this chapter, uh, verse 29, do not say I will do to him just as he has done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. When you deal with difficult people, it demonstrates God's love toward them. Here's, here's the third one, I like this one. It changes me where I need change the most. Bearing with others who are difficult changes me where I need to be changed. John Maxwell said it this way. God's love for us gives us the reason to encourage others. God's love in us gives us the ability to encourage others. And God's love through us gives us the way to encourage others. And then number four, it communicates the reality of Christ to the world. When someone makes your life difficult and you respond with kindness, it's a testimony to the world that Jesus is real in your life. Amen? Don't go, uh, my, my niece, uh, the one that just had the baby, used to be a waitress at Outback and said that Sundays, no waitress wanted to work on Sundays. You know why? Good old church crowd. Preacher comes in, gripes about everything that's served to him. Not good tippers by nature. Isn't that a horrible testimony? Man, I, I, I praise the Lord that when you look at how you treat other people, you would look at it through the lens of the cross in your own life. Leave the judging to the Lord. So I'm going to give you some action steps to take home. And we're done. Here's the first one. You ready? Identify the most difficult person in your life right now. Identify the most difficult person in your life right now. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do with that person. Look at me. Are you ready? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. For the next two weeks, every day, I'm going to ask you to pray for that person and ask God to help you show that person what love looks like. And in order to do that, you've got to stop consciously avoiding it and avoiding them and start seeing them like Christ does. And then... Look for a way to serve them. And I believe God will help you. You see, I, I believe the whole thing in di dealing with the difficult is looking at it how God sees you. And he'll help you. I, and folks, I'm not saying that any part of this is easy. What I am saying is that we serve a big God who can make it happen. Easter's coming, two weeks. No better time to invite somebody to church than Easter. How do, you, how do you get into that conversation? Do you have a home church? If they do, you praise the Lord with them. If they don't, invite them. You might meet somebody and they say, yeah, we go down to Camden, First Southern. Well, if you've never seen them here, it might, meet, it might be that they're out of church. Or you can do what uh, Trevor and I used to hear. Who's the pastor down there? 
Uh, well, um, uh, short, chubby guy. Um, you, you know what I'm saying? People are searching. People are looking. Jesus is real. The gospel still saves. So you have an assignment. Person that makes my life the hardest. You might be sitting here and you're thinking of your spouse. Well, it's time to have a good conversation at home is what it's time for. Time for somebody to say, I'm sorry. Time for somebody to say, okay, let's, 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 just, let's ask God for a new start. Don't you love fresh starts? Every time I get a haircut, I feel like I've got a fresh start. Every time I clean my car out, I feel like I've got a new start. Maybe, maybe today's a good day for some fresh starts. I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. It's five till 12, okay? We're not gonna rush. I wanna ask you a question. I wonder this morning, if you're here and you're thinking, Brother Greg, I need a fresh start. Would you pray for me? And if that's you, I want, I want you to slip your hand up. I want to see it. That God is speaking to your heart. God bless you in the middle. That God, God bless you on the left. God bless you on the left. Brother Greg, I need, a, I need a new start. I need a fresh start. Anybody else? Just slip it up and right back down. Amen. You might be here today and say, Brother Greg, I need a fresh start, but I'm not even sure I'm saved. Hey, we invite you to Christ this morning. In a moment, Cody's gonna sing, lead us, and I'm gonna ask you to come, and I'll be here on the floor, and we'll have a time of prayer, and you can settle it once and for all this morning. Say, I can't come by myself, preacher. Your spouse, your friend, your neighbor will come with you. Maybe you just want to come and pray, will you? Brother Greg, I've given my life to Christ. I've never followed in believers' baptism. It's time. Come on. Come on. So, Lord, you know every heart. You know those that are here. You know every heart of somebody who's watching. And I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that we would just surrender not worry about what somebody thinks, but we would just recognize, Lord, help me in this area of relationships. And God, if I'm, the, if I'm the one that makes things difficult, forgive me, help me. If, I'm, if I've been wounded today, God, help us. In your name we pray. Amen. You respond as the Lord leads. Let's sing.
Let this be the prayer uh, to the Lord. Uh, Lord, we're empty. Fill us. Amen. I come broken. You want the next verse? Just good. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark thought to blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come, I come broken to be mended, I come the Lamb, and I'm welcomed with open arms, praise God, just as I am. people said. Go ahead and be seated just for a second. I praise the Lord. Uh, Ryan and Millie Essex have come forward and Ryan desires to recommit his life to Christ and we praise the Lord for them. Uh, They're expecting their first baby so we pray for them as well and praise the Lord for that. Amen. Um, 
This morning in the first service, Gary Super was back. So we praise God for his healing hand on him. John, it's good to have you back with us. John Wood, welcome back. And yes, good to see you again. And we praise the Lord for that. Um, April 2nd is next Sunday. Is that hard to believe? Palm Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to receive our Annie Armstrong. But in the end, in the evening, we're going to have a total full church Lord's Supper service, 633, okay? Um, that's going to include our youth ministry, any of our children's workers. We're bringing everybody in next Sunday night, okay? We'd love to have you. Also, this Wednesday night, we're sharing our financial quarterly report. Love to have you come support that. Thank the Lord for that. But does anybody know what takes place April 23rd? Say it again. We start revival with Scott Smith. How many of you have heard Scott preach? Okay. He's been here several times. Uh, he is going to bring us a greeting. Uh, he may not look exactly the way he did the last time you saw him. And he's excited about coming. So this is Evangelist Scott Smith speaking directly to us. Hey, First Southern Camden. It's your old friend, for those that remember me, Scott Newton Smith. And I'm excited and delighted that I have been invited by your awesome pastor, Brother Greg, to come back for another time of spiritual renewal and revival. That's scheduled to happen April 23rd through the 26th. That's a Sunday morning through a Wednesday night. I can honestly say there's never been a time in my three decades of ministry, preaching and traveling around the country, that I've been more excited than right now. You know, they say if the atmosphere is right, the dew will form. I don't think it's an accident that the atmosphere is changing in this country. I don't think it's an accident that we're seeing an outpouring of God at Asbury and other colleges around the country. I don't think it's an accident that one of the top television shows being streamed online is The Chosen. I don't think it's an accident that one of the top movies in the country right now is The Jesus Revolution about God's outpouring in the 60s and look at all the ministry evangelism and churches that grew out of that. It's almost as if God's saying, I'm getting ready to do something new and something fresh. When the atmosphere is right, the dew will form. And I want to see the dew of the Holy Spirit form in and on His church. I believe that this revival right there at First Southern is part of setting the table for that. Getting the atmosphere right for a fresh move of God. I love the fact that it's spring. I love the fact that new beginnings happen during this time of the year in so many ways. It's no accident that we're going to be together and it's going to be wonderful. But I want to encourage you to go ahead now. Number one, plan to be there. Number two, pray. Ask God to do what only God can do. And number three, begin to promote, begin to share it with other people that we're going to be having this special set of services April 23rd through the 26th and that our lives together are going to be forever changed. I'll be back to drop a couple more messages between now and then, but in the meantime, Make sure you put it on your calendar and plan to be there and be expecting great things because I believe the atmosphere has changed. It is time for the fresh dew of the Spirit to form on us. Get ready. I'll see you then. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And I want you to be in prayer for Scott as he prepares to come. Here's my prayer, that he just doesn't come and preach.